we go. Oh, it's serious. So hopefully, hopefully this lasts a bit longer than the last one that we tried to do um, with the recording. Um, but we're with uh, we're with uh, Simon Den today. Um, Simon, um, I guess I'll, I'll put your LinkedIn in, in in maybe the show notes. But I guess briefly, um, just give us the cliff notes of uh, of uh, of your career and um, to get to where you're at and 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 who you are. Cliff notes um, after 36 years of, of working, mate. That's uh, that's a <laughs> tough call. Um, uh, yeah, the short version: 24 and a half years with the WA Police. Um, left there for reasons that I won't go into today. Yeah. Um, and started in a. And I think most police officers that leave tend to leave into HSC roles. I think there's a there's an immediate connection with with safety and not so much health. Um, so I started with uh, a company in the southwest of Western Australia as a HSC superintendent. Um, got some very good advice from a manager who said to me, if you want to be taken seriously in mining, get out of HSC and uh, get into operations. And so I, I moved into an operational role that morphed into a maintenance role, which morphed into a, uh, an internal audit role. Um, and then into another operations role. Uh, so I've worked in iron ore in Illumina and uh, and I've worked uh, for th all three of the, I guess, of the big miners the big in guys. WA. Yeah. Um, and then uh, probably a couple of years ago, I found that in my day job as an operations superintendent, I was spending more time doing HSE than I was doing operations, uh, much to my boss's uh, dismay. And so I, I decided that, you know, maybe HSC was the place to go back to and uh, got an opportunity with the company I'm with now to to take on a manager's role as a HSC manager, looking after Western Australia. And uh, I've been doing that now for a year and uh, loving being back in the HSC world, exciting times with the changes to the legislation and, and actually having some capacity to make change which has been really good and uh who are you outside of work outside of outside of safety who's uh who's Simon well, uh, someone asked me this the other day they said what do you do in your spare time and as soon as I said I have six children and three grandchildren they uh they said well that's that answers that question <laughs> um yeah look you know I don't I don't have a lot of time outside of of you know I've got uh, four grown-up kids uh, two-step boys uh with my new partner i've got three grandchildren with another one on the way oh, wow. um, so you know my downtime is is stuff with the kids um sport playing with the grandies um I, i'm not a beach person but both of my step boys are mad keen beach people so we spend a lot of time down there uh i try and keep my old burns active by by work, going to the gym and uh and that's about me Sleeping, yeah. eating, you know, the normal stuff. Rinse and repeat. <laughs> um, That's it. Exactly. So coming out of the police force and, you know, it's interesting moving in that superintendent role. Um, you know, what's the what's the biggest learning that you'd pass on, Simon, to, to yourself if uh, if you could go back again to your younger self? Um, you know, what would that advice be? 
Yeah, that's a, it's actually quite an easy question to answer. I, I suffered for the first two years of my career with imposter syndrome, um, which is, you know, very real, particularly when you move out of an environment. So I moved out of a job where the customer was never right into an environment where the customer is often right. <laughs> and so, you, you, you know, it, it takes a complete mind shift change to, to be, you know, how you approach conversations, um, how, you, how you deal with conflict. Um, you know, gone were the days where if someone really upset me, I could lock them up. You know, that that uh, that was no longer an option. So I think uh, just trust that you have the, the capability. If I'd trusted myself more in my first couple of years out of the police force, I think my... I don't think my career would have been different. I just think it would have it would have moved along faster because I didn't I didn't trust that I actually knew what I was doing for quite some time because mining is so different to policing. Mm. Um, and like I said, the first two years I suffered with imposter syndrome and it lessened over time. Who's uh, you know you, you sort of say that about the imposter syndrome? Um, who's been an influence on you um, in in your professional life? Uh, yeah, that would be one of my very first managers who who I actually uh, am still in contact with. Um, uh, interestingly, his his dad was a, a long serving police officer. Not that I knew him um, at all, but you know there was I guess that connection. Mm. Uh, and he was the guy that that showed me that. Um, I mean, he he had faith in my capability, um, gave me opportunities that others wouldn't. Uh, and that enabled me to trust myself um, because of that. So uh, he's still a mentor to me. I ring him now when I'm, I'm making, um, you know, difficult decisions or if I'm seeking advice, particularly around leadership. He's a very strong, uh, very strong exponent of of leadership and leadership culture. And so I go to him if I'm if I'm struggling with a problem. Yeah, it's a, a really good point. I mean, what is what is leadership to you? Um, what does that look like to you? And how do you how do you lead? How do you lead teams? How do you lead as an individual? Uh, I think um, you've got to be true to your values. So you know, be very, you know, be aware of what your values are. And and I unabashedly stole my values if I needed to articulate them from the police, which was um, uh, fairness, um, honesty, respect, integrity. Um, empathy and openness so mm. you know those are those are the values that i stick to and if you can apply those in your leadership space empathy in particular um yeah I, i'm very vulnerable with my staff i allow them to know a lot about me and my journey and and uh, what it takes to do the job that i do and understanding the job that they do um i used to be quite an autocratic leader and i know that uh, that's something that's really changed since I left the police force. Um, I guess now it's I'm I'm much more, more difficult to do in private industry, right? Yeah, well, yeah, there's, there's uh, definite examples of it around the place. So you know, there are still leaders that that rule by fear. In fact, my first GM ruled by fear, and mm. uh, he um, he always used to say, "If you're not fired with enthusiasm, then you will be fired with enthusiasm." And, uh, and so, um, you know, th that, that wasn't, that was one of the first meetings I had with the man when he, uh, when he told me that. Um, so I tried to be, I tried to be the leader that is in all of those things. Um, you know, I try to engage, uh, I try to understand where my team's coming from, what makes them work. Um, and I show them what my values are and I, 
uh, integrity in particular is really important to me. So doing what I say I'm going to do and making their lives better um, and working to develop them the best way that I can. Uh, I always said that the day that my team leave me, so long as they're leaving to do something that they want to do, then I've been successful. So um, I guess that's probably the easiest way to wrap up what leadership yeah. is to me. What are you... Um... Sorry, I'm firing off. Yeah, no, I was like, like really uh, <laughs> but um, you know, what do you look for? I guess um, in hiring safety professionals, those key qualities that you look for. You know, that's it's really tough. We have a really imperfect system for hiring people, right? We we get them. Oh, to come on, mate! It keeps me in a job. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. come on. <laughs> you never let me finish. Right up until you hire a great recruiter is what I was going to say. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we ask people to put a few words down on paper and then we, we spend 40 minutes talking to them in an interview and, and that's supposed to be the basis for making a decision. I, I often look for what my team is missing um, to, deti- to, to determine what I need and I've been, I won't say been guilty of, I have on many occasions hired people that have absolutely none of the skills that I actually need but the sorry, none of the um, practical skills or the the um, the learned skills that I need. If I'm focused on a softer skill that I desperately need within my team, because the rest of it can be developed. You know, if I needed an ESO, for example, um, one of my greatest hires was a guy that um, had never had never done any ESO emergency response work at all, but he had this amazing capacity to bring teams together under and and give them direction and uh, and so i put him on a firefighting course and i put him on a medics course and i put him on a working at heights course and i taught him all that stuff and uh, he repaid me tenfold with his capacity to manage my teams on on my behalf so um what do i look for you know obviously having some experience is a good thing not always again depending on what you're trying to achieve in your team you much experience such an individual. Be, uh, dangerous right <laughs> well absolutely <laughs> yeah it really can um and i'm and to be honest i'm finding that um as i'm getting on in years uh, that sometimes having uh, reams of experience is actually not considered to be a great thing because how do we bend this guy to our will if he's got 30 years of experience to to push back so um yeah it's it's a really difficult question every team member is is an individualized plan you know are certain things that i want to look for and um and then you hope that you through either through your recruiter or through your own process that you can um, sort the the um the the best candidate to the top absolutely so simon where do you see the profession going in the future uh, I, yeah, I, that's what you've been I, so quiet for the whole time. Throwing this curveball at me. Where's the, uh, <laughs> well, look, I think, you know, we've had this, this massive shift with the, the new workplace health and safety legislation that's actually given us some teeth. Um, not that we haven't had it previously, but I don't, I don't know that it's really been recognised by organisations that health and safety is actually kind of important. Um, and uh, I think the rest of Australia certainly got it before Western Australia did, and, and now we're playing a little bit of catch-up with the harmonised legislation. Um, I think what will happen is that 
there will be a very strong swing across to the psychosocial, psychological safety piece. Um, and in fact, I was just looking at some really interesting stats today, which showed this massive amount of um, psychological serious injury that's occurred in the last 12 months in Australia is now being reported. And so we're, we're doing all of this catch-up work to, to do that. And I think through that and through the engagement that is required in that work, that the um, that I guess the profile of health and safety representations in the business will rise as a result of that, and people will actually start to recognise this profession for what it is, which is not a bolt-on. It's not a oh, we need to have health and safety, so we better bring some guy in or some girl in to do that. To this is actually a really important role, and they're going to sit at a senior leadership level, and we're going to give them the same weight um, as all of our other leaders because of how intrinsically we we take the, the risk of um, uh, and importance of health and safety. So I think that's where we'll go. I think we're a, a few years away from that, but I already see momentum shifting in that direction. So Absolutely. hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah, I, I'd see that as well, the evolution. I think, you know, the psychosocial, that's the new frontier. I mean, it's always been there. But it's always sort of been the domain of HR and now it's being pushed, you know, or, or transferred. I wouldn't say pushed, transferred to, to safety. Um, and that'll certainly be, yeah, it's one thing that we're, we're hearing a lot of as well. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, Australia is a long way in front of the rest of the world in that space. Um, mm. uh, I was talking to uh, the global team uh, with the company that I'm in and they... Uh, they didn't quite get it the same way that that we do over here. Um, until you start to show them the links between um, psycho, so, you know, psychological well-being, and all of the impacts that that has on how well you sleep, how well you interact, how much work you get done, um, you know, absenteeism, presenteeism, which was a word that I only learned when I started doing this work um, around psychosocial stuff. Uh, and there's a whole lot of people that are guilty of not being present at work. Uh, so, you know, I think uh, the, those connections will become more evident as more work is done. I think when we start looking, um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, this is just my opinion, but I think when we start looking at performance and outcomes and output and the implications of, um, you know, as bad as it is, you know, safety often does have a cost associated with it, right? When businesses start looking at the implications of, what happens when well-being and psychological well-being of your workforce isn't there? Yeah. Um, that has a huge out outcome, and I think it's connecting those dots. I don't think we've actually had those dots connected the full the full structure yet, um, and that's sort of what I'm seeing. That I'd imagine becoming more prevalent in the next few years. Yeah. It's a bit of a loose analogy, but a few years ago, we never really understood the, the cost of um, noise-induced hearing loss within the organisation, within any organisation, right up until you place on the desk of the senior leaders the amount that you're paying in insurance for noise-induced hearing loss claims. And then all of a sudden, it becomes important because Very there's, important. A dollar, there's, yeah. a, there's a dollar loss associated to the business. And I think once, and I'm trying to pull lag data now that supports what we're talking about around, uh, and we're not very good at capturing this data either, which is something else we've got to improve in. But um, how many of the, you know, five sick days per year did did X take that was due to physical health, and how much of it was for through psychological health? Yeah. And uh, and then when they were at work, 
just how productive were they? And so that then links to your performance management, um, which, you know, a lot of companies, again, don't do particularly well. Um, development of your people, that's, again, directly linked. How many hours are they working? How, how um, you know, how well do they get on with their manager? Do they come to work with a, uh, a sense of, um, uh, you know, do they leave with a sense of achievement once they've gone in there? Have they gone in with a sense of purpose? You know, all of these questions, and they're all linked back to your psychological well-being. Um, and well-being, you know, I, I get a lot of people talking about well-being as being, you know, that's what we're doing here. But well-being is this tiny little component of psychosocial um, hazards and psychosocial mm. safety. It's important, but there's, you know, it's probably 5% of the big picture. And You look at it holistically. Yeah, I'm getting everybody else to kind of see they have the same vision that I'm now having around the good work that we can do. Um, I had a conversation with someone just the other day and said, oh, we can't ask people whether or not they're comfortable at work and whether they're happy because what happens if they say they're not? <laughs> well, then we then we do something about it. Right? What's, what's the option that we don't ask them and then they leave as a result of being unhappy at work? I mean, it makes no sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Sam, thank you so much for, uh, for jumping on. Um, quite the background. As I said, I'll put your, uh, your LinkedIn profile um, handle on uh, the show notes and um, recommend anyone to reach out, especially someone wanting advice, you know, younger professional development. Um, but thank you uh, so much for, uh, for jumping on, Sam. My absolute pleasure. It was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, look forward to uh, to any contacts that might come on my way as a result. Awesome.